So um, we're going to jump in. So we're in this, this series, Deep Talks uh, with Jesus, and uh, it's an exciting series. We're looking at uh, the section of Scripture, John 13 to 17, and um, we're several weeks into this, and this is going to be the second time. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today, okay? Um, and this is the second time in this conversation where Jesus starts to talk to His followers about the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, He's with us right now, okay? When we talked about the Holy Spirit a couple weeks ago, I just really felt to remind us, like, He's actually in the room right now, okay? The Holy Spirit is here, and, and He desires to speak, He desires to encourage, He desires to point people to Him. Um, so, I'm just, before I even jump into anything, I'm just going to pray and just welcome Him to speak, to lead, to guide, to open our hearts Um, and for Him to have His way. So let's just pray. Lord, uh, I just want to thank You for the reality of of who You are. Lord, we talked about some of the things going on at Asbury, and there's there's things happening kind of all over right now that are pretty exciting. Uh, And Lord, I just pray that You would have Your way, that Your will would be done in Thunder Bay, in Canada, in North America, and in this world, that Your will would be done. And Lord, may it happen with us. I pray, Lord, that you would cause revival to happen in each one of our hearts, that whatever you've got to do to uh, bring us into a place where we're in alignment with you, that you would do it. If, if there's things in us that are a hindrance to that, if there's sin, if there's wrong thinking in any way, Lord, just deal with it in us. Make us uh, more like you, and, and I pray that you'd remove anything that would be a hindrance to, to the moving of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I just pray that as we look into your word today, uh, that we'd hear you. We're talking about your Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus, one of your favorite subjects to talk about was your Holy Spirit. And so help us to hear you and help us to put into practice what we learn in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to be in John chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 4. But Jesus, the way he talks about the Holy Spirit here in John is unique, okay? And so I was thinking about my friend John Zink as I was getting ready for this, this message. And so I've got a friend. He lives on the East Coast. His name is John Zink. And he had uh, cancer when he was born, or shortly after he was born, in his eyes. And so he had his eyes removed when he was two years old, okay? And John is about 45 now. Um, but when I first met John, he was in his 30s and I was a teenager, and uh, he's, he's fully blind, okay? And he's got a, a walking cane. He doesn't, he doesn't use a dog. Um, he's had that option, but he decided to use a walking cane. But John is a really bold person, Okay? Um, so he's actually a preacher. So if he was in Thunder Bay today, I'd have him preach. He also leads worship, plays guitar. Um, he brags that he can read with one hand, okay, because he's got a Braille Bible, okay? So he'll like, when he's preaching, he'll be like, I can read with one hand, right? And you're like, what? Um, but he's got this really cool, and the Braille Bible, by the way, would, would probably fill up the back corner of the stage. Like, Braille Bibles are massive, okay? So he can only bring like one book of the Bible with him at a time, <laughs> okay? So he's not one of these preachers that could just jump around because he can only carry like the book of Matthew with him, okay? Um, but John is, he's really bold. And, and so when John and I would go on walks, he would always like want to go somewhere that you wouldn't normally take a blind person, like, like walking up a hill or like doing some kind of an adventure. And he would never use his cane if we were walking together. So we'd always walk arm in arm, Okay? Um, which I always felt funny when we'd go to the mall because I'd be walking with my friend John and we'd be like linking arms in the mall and I was like, you know, I don't really care what anybody thinks. It's fine. Because um, he just looks kind of normal unless you look right into his eyes and realize he doesn't have any. Um, so, so anyway, John, uh, we do great. And um, other than 
the couple times that I, like, I walked him into something, like a wall one time. Um, he forgave me. That was really good of him. Um, but what, what strikes me about John is that John would actually do things that he, there's no way he could do unless he had someone's help. So when I was really close with John, we lived in New Brunswick, and, and John would often get asked to lead worship and preach in different places. And so there's a few times that him and I would travel to Nova Scotia together. And so we would be driving, and I had these like horrible thoughts. We'd be driving, and I was like, like sometimes John would randomly, he'd just have to get out and pee. And so he'd be like, we'd be on the side of the road or whatever, and, and, and I'd be thinking like, if I drove away right now, like what would John do? He didn't have a cell phone. Like I just have these thoughts. I'm like, it'd be crazy. Like he is so reliant on somebody to be there to help him. And I'm like, if I just drove off right now, like it would be horrible. It'd be sad. Like he would be just totally helpless, right? Um, I didn't do that, by the way. Just, I just want to reassure you, I, would not, <laughs> I did not leave John Strand in the middle of the highway somewhere. We were good friends. But he would do these things that would be impossible to do unless he had help, right? So he would travel to a different province and he would preach and he would lead worship. But then he'd have to get back to the place that he, where he was staying. Or, or there was somebody, it wasn't me, I wanted to, uh, but somebody actually took him driving one time in an open parking lot, and John would just, like, just drive. He was that kind of guy where he was like, he like, didn't want to be limited by his, his blindness, right? Nobody let him actually do it on the road, which uh, was a good idea. But he was just that kind of guy who wanted to do it. But there's no way, the point I'm making with that, John could not do that unless he had somebody with him. And it's a really good picture. So Jesus here, he's, he's in this deep talk with his disciples, and, you know, he's about to send them out, okay? So these followers of his that have been following him around for three years, he's about to go to the cross, which they all don't want to see happen. He's about to be killed, which they don't even understand. And then he's going to rise again, which they're going to be excited about. But then he's going to disappoint them again because he's going to be going to be with the Father. He's going to go up and be in in heaven with the Father. And he's sending the disciples out. And you know what he says to them? He's like, okay, all the things I've been doing, you're going to go do it. And so the disciples are just obviously overwhelmed at that thought. Jesus has been traveling around. He's been healing people. He's been touching blind people and opening their eyes, right? He's been convincing people of their need for God. People get around Jesus, and all of a sudden, they're convicted of their sin. And the disciples, they've been seeing this this incredible ministry of Jesus, and Jesus is saying to them, I'm leaving. Now you're going to go. And so the disciples are a lot like my friend John. It'd be like if I said to John, Hey, John, you're, you know, we're here together in Thunder Bay. I want you to go to Moncton. No one's going with you. Okay, so I'll bring you to the road, point you in the right direction, and you're gone. Like, he couldn't do it. I, I remember times, sometimes John, when he would preach, he, he would uh, he'd have a pulpit, right? And, and he'd always have to touch the pulpit because he'd get excited, right, and as, as preachers do. And, and if he wasn't careful, he'd be like this, preaching, okay? <laughs> the crowd, right? And so he always had to, like, have a touch point to make sure that he was facing the right direction because, because he couldn't see anything. He had, he's got no eye. He's got one glass eye in one place where there's no eye at all. And so John needed that, that help. And, and it's a lot like the disciples that Jesus was giving them this incredible task. And it's the same thing he's given to us today. The, the deep talk Jesus is having is actually quite overwhelming, the stuff that he's asking us to do. We're a lot like my friend John, where we're, it's like we're being asked to drive from Thunder Bay to Victoria, B.C., and we're just totally blind. And so the disciples are feeling overwhelmed. But Jesus says to them, okay, and this is so beautiful. When He talks about the Holy Spirit, 
He talks about the Holy Spirit in terms of, of a friendship, a counselor, a guide, an advocate. And so he's saying, yes, you're blind. Yes, you can't see. Yes, what I'm asking you to do is impossible, but my Holy Spirit will be with you. Okay? So do you get, do you get that, that illustration? Okay, so, so we are like my friend John, but, but Jesus is saying, but I'm not going to leave you alone. Yes, what you're being asked to do is impossible, but that's why I'm sending you my Holy Spirit. So John, okay, so the section of Scripture we're in today, John has more to say about the Holy Spirit than Matthew, Mark, and Luke combined, okay? So if you read the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it talks a lot about what the Holy Spirit does, okay? So the Holy Spirit comes upon people, and, and He comes upon Mary in Luke, and He comes upon Elizabeth, and the Holy Spirit shows up, and people are healed. So the, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell you a lot about what the Holy Spirit does, but John, okay, and John was the Gospel that was written the latest, Okay? And so what John wanted to communicate was he wanted the followers of Jesus to know who the Holy Spirit is in a relational way. So when you study Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you, you find out a lot about what the Holy Spirit does, His power, all the things He does. But John is focusing in on, on, on the teaching that Jesus gave about who the Holy Spirit is. So there's more teaching uh, in John than there is in the other three Gospels. And John, and I mentioned this the first time we talked about the Holy Spirit in John. John uses a unique word, so you'll only find it in John's writing, okay? And the way that he describes the Holy Spirit is with, the, with this word paraclete, okay? In, in our translations, um, this will show up, and, and Gary, you're going to appreciate this. I, I included this. I went and looked up the message after my last uh, sermon on the Holy Spirit to see how the message translation translates this word paraclete. So, this is how John describes the Holy Spirit, Okay? The Holy Spirit, um, these are all different English translations translating the word paraclete, okay? So this is the Greek word that only John uses, and he wants you and I today and his followers to know who the Holy Spirit is. And, and so the words we get are, are helper, comforter, teacher, advocate, counselor, guide, friend. These are all the different English words that are used to translate the word paraclete. It is so personal. What Jesus is teaching in this deep talk is that the Holy Spirit is our friend, our, our advocate, our guide, our counselor. He is with you relationally, okay? Y yes, the Holy Spirit, when He moves, there's power. It's amazing. God does awesome things that we can't understand, we can't describe. But what John is emphasizing here, he doesn't actually talk a whole lot about the power side of what the Holy Spirit does. You're going to see that in Acts, okay? When we get to Acts, Holy Spirit moves, crazy things happen. But what, Je what Jesus is teaching in this section is He's saying, the Holy Spirit wants to have a relationship with you, a friendship, okay? So the title of today's sermon is Our Friend, the Holy Spirit. And, and I want you to be comforted today about what Jesus is teaching us. So in this section, and I'm not going to list all of the previous sermons that we've, we've gone over in this section, but we've talked about foot washing and we've talked about secret sin and public sin. And, but Jesus... He flip-flops a couple times. So in this section, John 13 to 17, which is this extended conversation, it's vital, it's very important, a couple different times, Jesus goes to the Holy Spirit, talks about something else, and then He goes back to the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting is this conversation Jesus is having with His disciples, if you, if you read it, the thing that, I've, that has been sticking out to me this week as I've studied this is, is all of the things Jesus didn't say. 
So he has this really extended conversation with his disciples. And, and you've got to know, Jesus is God. He could have warned his disciples about what was to come. He could have warned them about the pandemic. We could be reading about it now, 2,000 years later, and be like, oh, that was what was coming. Like, but there's so many things in this section of Scripture Jesus does not cover, and I believe it's intentional. And the reason He keeps going to the Holy Spirit, we're going to find out why, is because it is vital. If you are a follower of Christ, it is vital to have a relationship with God. More than just like knowing He's God, being aware of His power, you're actually invited into a relationship, a friendship with the Holy Spirit. Now, 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 catch this. The Holy Spirit, He is God. He is the architect, the creator of the universe. And what Jesus is telling His disciples is that God, Holy Spirit, He's going to live inside of you and He's going to lead you and guide you. And He's actually going to relieve the pressure that you might feel when you think about the job that I'm giving you. So John chapter 16, I'm going to start in verse 4 and we'll go to, down to verse 15. It should be up on the screen if you want to follow along there. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Okay, so Jesus is saying, there's certain things I didn't say because I was with you, but now I'm leaving. And so his disciples feel afraid in the same way as if I said to my friend John on the side of the highway, I'm leaving you now. Like how, how afraid would he feel as a person with no eyes, right? And so Jesus is saying, he, he's, this is what he's saying to them, but then he reassures them. Uh, so I didn't say these things to you with, uh, at the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So they're afraid. They're filled with sorrow. Jesus, what do you mean you're leaving? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, okay, the paraclete, the friend, the advocate, the counselor, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, listen to what Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to do. This takes the pressure off of us as Christians, as the church, okay? If I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. That's why Jesus' conversation was able to be so short, because the Holy Spirit was going to come and guide the followers of Christ, guide the church into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said to you, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Anybody watch or read the Chronicles of Narnia? Are you familiar with Chronicles of Narnia? Yeah? In, uh, so Lucy is my favorite character in the Chronicles of Narnia, Okay. Um, she's also, that, that's where Lucy's, our daughter, Lucy, that's where her name came from. I love the, I love the Chronicles of Narnia, and I love her character in there, and we named her Lucy. It means light. Lucy, if, you, if you're familiar at all with the books, and so uh, the Chronicles of Narnia is a, is a series of books uh, by a guy named C.S. Lewis, and it's about this magical world, okay? 
And so there's four children in the first book, and they're the Pevensey children, Lucy, Susan, Edmund, and Peter, okay? And, and they're living in, like, the Second World War times, and they're just living through a really difficult time. And, and they all get transported into this mystical, magical land called Narnia, okay? But Lucy and, and her brother Edmund are the first two in the, in, the, uh, in the family to experience Narnia and to experience this mystical lion named Aslan, okay? And Aslan represents Jesus. But nobody believes Lucy. So she has this encounter where she experiences Narnia, and she's telling her siblings about it. And her brother Edmund, who's also seen Narnia, um, just he's, he's greedy, um, he's selfish, and he, he lies and says that it doesn't exist. So Lucy's the youngest, and, and she's mistreated by her siblings because she's trying to tell them about Narnia, and she's trying to tell them about all the amazing things that are going on there, and she's trying to tell them about Aslan and this lion who represents Jesus in the book, and no one believes her, okay? So she's like shoved down, she's disbelieved, all these different things, but she's got all this hope in her heart because of the things that she's experiencing, and, and she's not being believed by her, her siblings. And so um, in, in Narnia, and what I want to draw your attention to is that this Aslan, this lion, he, he's like, he's, he represents Jesus, but he's similar to our experience of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when God shows up in your life, He gives you hope. He gives you this joy. He gives you this anticipation. And you're trying to tell other people about Him, and people just don't believe you. Have you ever experienced that? So we live in this city, and, and we're talking about Asbury earlier. We would love to see God move in power. There's many of you in this room. You've prayed to see God move in power the way that you're seeing happening in Kentucky. And, and you've told your friends and you've told your loved ones about Jesus and all of the riches that are, that are in Him and, and the experience you can have. And sometimes people look at you sideways like, that's just stupid. Everybody, anybody ever experienced that? Have you ever been looked at funny because you're just trying to t- tell people about God and who He is and you're just looked at like with disbelief and people just kind of cast you off, okay? That's kind of what's going on with, with Lucy, right, in, in Narnia. And, and then when her... her her older siblings start to believe. I want to put this quote up on the screen. Um, and if you haven't seen the movies or read the books, this will seem weird to you. But her older sister, Susan, has a conversation with a beaver, okay? <laughs> you got you to read it. It's good. It's good stuff. Um, but she starts asking about Aslan. And she asks the beaver about the kind of, what kind of lion he is. And the beaver says, I'll put it up here. The beaver says, so Susan says, is he safe? And she's asking about Aslan, okay? And the lion talks, and as you get to know him, you realize, like, who, who he is. And, and the beaver responds, and he's one of the, uh, the people in the kingdom of Narnia, okay, who knows who the king is. He says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good, okay? And so this beaver who's experienced Aslan and Susan, who's, who's trying to figure it out, she's an older sister of Lucy, she's trying to figure out who is Aslan, who is this person, and, and, and she's trying to wrestle, like, is he, is he safe? Is it safe to be around him? And she's told, no, he's not safe, but he's good. And I just want you to know, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, he's not, he's not safe, okay? He's good. He's really good. But God is not always safe, okay? And I'm just not going to get into that too deep, um, but you, as you encounter him, you'll realize, like, he's not necessarily safe, but he's good. He's trustworthy, So, um, Jesus, I'm going to show you the two things that Jesus says to, to take the pressure off of us, but I, I just want uh, to, to let you know, 
I want to go back to this for a second. So the, the, the things that Jesus does not talk about in this section of Scripture are really important. If Jesus, in, in this conversation, right when he's about to talk about the Holy Spirit, if he was to tell his followers all of the things that were about to happen, the book of John would be endless. There would not be enough room in the world to contain all of the things that Jesus would need to tell his followers, all the things that they were going to face, all the difficulties, all the hardships, all the trials, right? But what he does focus on is absolutely vital, and he focuses on the Holy Spirit who we can have a relationship with. And so there's two jobs that the Holy Spirit is going to do for us that Jesus talks about here in John chapter 16, okay? So the first one is that the Holy Spirit is going to convince the world of the message of Jesus Christ, okay? And secondly, that He's going to lead His people into all truth. So our friend, you can go to the next slide, our friend, the Holy Spirit, will convince the world of the message of Jesus Christ. So here's, here's what I want you to know as a follower of Jesus today, okay? Sometimes we feel this pressure in, in church or as followers of Christ, like we want other people to know about God. We want them to know about His goodness. We want them to know that they can experience life change and transformation. And we feel like there's all this pressure on us to make it happen. But Jesus, He tells His followers, He says, our friend, the Holy Spirit, like He is going to convince the world of sin. He's going to be the one that convicts them. He's going to be the one that points people to God, okay? So verses 8 to 11, Jesus says this, when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in Me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you will see Me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, he wrote another book called Mere Christianity, and uh, at the end of the first chapter, he, he was really trying to show people, like, and, and C.S. Lewis was an atheist who became a Christian, and, and he actually spoke to a lot of people who were atheists, and he spoke at a time when, when people were kind of turned off by God. They were experiencing the Second World War, and they started, you know, asking all kinds of questions like, you know, if God's really real, how can all these horrible things be happening in our world, okay? And, and in the first chapter of his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis, he wanted to show people, every single one of you, whether you believe in God or not, you're actually aware of Him in ways that you don't even know. And, he's, and, and so he, he says this at the end of his first chapter. He was trying to argue and show people this. He says, these then are the two points I wanted to make. First, that human beings all over the earth have this curious idea that they ought to behave a certain way, and they cannot really get rid of it. Secondly, they do not in fact behave in that way. So the point, the point I'm making is our friend, the Holy Spirit, he is going to convince people of Jesus, of sin, Okay. And, and what C.S. Lewis is saying is he's saying, like, the Holy Spirit is active. He's convincing people all over the place of the fact that there's, there's this, like, conviction inside of me that, that, that leads me to believe I'm supposed to behave in a certain way, and I don't actually do that. I, I just want to encourage you to keep your ears open in conversations you have. I hear it all the time, especially when I talk to people that don't know I'm a pastor, but I'll talk to somebody who maybe they're going through a messy divorce, okay? And I'll be in conversation and whoever it is that I'm talking to, whichever spouse it is, the guy or the girl, like as soon as it comes up that they're going through this messy divorce, this justification starts where it's like, well, I, it was really bad and I wasn't really that wrong and I, I kind of had to do it. You know, and I, I've done a lot of prison ministry and being in jail and I'll talk to people that have been convicted of something and, and people often, it's like they're justifying why they did what they did. Or you talk to somebody who's just, you know, committed bank fraud or whatever it is, Right? 
or, or you got mad in traffic. Anybody ever been mad in traffic? I was mad in traffic like this week, <laughs> right? You talk to somebody who's angry, and they're justifying their behavior. And, and I've always wondered, I'm like, who are they justifying it to? Are they trying to prove to me that they were right? Like, why do they care what I think? But there's this every single human being. We have this, this inner knowing that we're off base in some way. That's the Holy Spirit. Like, that's what Jesus is saying. The Holy Spirit is, is going to convince people of their, like, He will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Inside of every single person, there is this awareness that there's a way things should be. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Just keep your ears open when you're talking to people and listen to how often in conversation people justify their behavior. It happens all the time. And what C.S. Lewis was drawing our attention to is he's saying they're justifying to God. People are aware that something is off base and that things need to change. And so there's two responses when the Holy Spirit brings conviction, okay? You can either harden your heart or you can admit that you're off base and eventually this will lead to Jesus. So uh, I have a a friend that I met when I was like a day old, okay? Uh, And I asked him if I could share this story. So uh, his mom and my mom were really good friends. And so when I was born, he came to visit me in the hospital. He was three weeks old uh, and I was only a day old, okay? (laughs) So that's when we started our friendship was like, brand new babies, and, and he's, he's three weeks older, so he's always held that over my head. Um, I, was in his, I was in his first wedding, okay? I performed his second wedding. Um, he was in my wedding when I got married to, to Vicky, and he's had a pretty crazy ride in life, okay? I've been friends with this guy for as long as I've been alive, um, but he's one of these guys that have had just an absolute wild ride of a life. Uh, he started getting into drugs pretty heavy when, when we were in high school. And I remember his mom begging me to try to get him away from making those choices to go down the, that, that road of like drinking and drugs pretty hard. And I remember her crying and like begging me to try to like pull him back because I was involved in some ministry at the time. And, and I remember his name is Amos. And I would always like try to rope him into the things that I was doing with ministry. And because we had a good friendship, he, he would sometimes come. And, but I remember driving down uh, the city street at night and he's high and he was laughing at all the lights and just like, just really getting into that lifestyle. And it led to a lot. And so um, we, we remained really good friends. As I said, he was in my, my wedding and then I was the best man at his wedding. And then that first marriage fell apart. Um, he, he was with someone else, had a child, that fell apart. And then he got married uh, to somebody else. And at that point I was studying to be a pastor and he asked me if I'd do the the wedding, um, I wrestled with it a lot, like, you know, is this wise to, be, to do? And I felt, I felt a peace about it, so I did. And uh, that relationship has really struggled. They're not together right now. But five months ago, Jesus just showed up in his life in an absolutely powerful way. Like, and, and I, like, in, in 20 years, I haven't seen him do as well as he's been doing in these last five months. Like, he calls me, sometimes I can't even take the call, he'll call me like a couple times a week just to give me updates. God's speaking to him in dreams, and, and he's got people giving him like interpretations for these dreams, and God's leading him, and, and him and his current wife, like they're not even together right now, but he's just got all this hope for what God's going to do and how he's going to bring restoration, and, and she's, she's with somebody else at this moment, and, and he's been five months, and he's, he's like, he's not going after another relationship at this point, like he's just at a stage of life where he's like, I'm just going to trust Jesus. And he's, he's working full-time, he's doing well, he's super involved with his local church. Like, 
the Holy Spirit has showed up in such an incredible way in his life. And so it's an encouragement for me. I get his calls all the time. It's been weeks now. He's just calling and he's asking for prayer and he's asking for advice on certain things. And, and it's incredible. And I asked him this week, I said, can I tell a little bit of your story um, when I preach on Sunday morning, I said, it really fits with what I'm saying. He's like, man, I'm an open book. You can say whatever you want. I don't care. Just say it. Like, I just, if God could use it, then let it encourage somebody else. But we're, the, the, the point I'm making, our friend, the Holy Spirit, will lead his followers. No, no, that was the, it was the previous point. Our friend, the Holy Spirit, will, be, will convince the world of the message of Jesus. So, so my friend Amos, um, I'm 36. I'll be 37 this summer. I've, like, I don't know how many times I've talked to him and tried to point him in the right direction. I don't know how much difference it's made all the way along. But in this last five months, you know what's been encouraging to me? Is I'm like, I see the Holy Spirit at work in his life in a powerful way. Like, in a powerful way. It's not my job to convince him of his wrongdoing. It's my job to love him, right? So it's easy now, you know, to get up and talk about somebody whose life has changed. It's, it's easy. But when you're walking the journey with somebody and, and doing, you know, they're going through a second marriage or a third relationship, and, and it's like you're wrestling with, like, what do I say? Do I, do I correct? Like, the Bible makes it so clear. Jesus is saying he doesn't answer all of the questions that his disciples might have. He just says the Holy Spirit is going to convince the world of sin. And he's doing it in the life of my friend. And, and I want to encourage you, like, for me, when I, when I hear that, I'm like, it just gives me focus and direction, and it takes the pressure off my shoulders where I'm like, you know what Jesus makes really clear in this section of Scripture? You love people. You go out and you just show them the love of Jesus. You point them towards Him. Sometimes, yes, you have difficult conversations. Sometimes, yes, you call people out. But the Holy Spirit is actually going to do the heavy lifting of convincing somebody of their need for Him. So it's like my friend John. You know, if, if, if I'm asked... To, to do this impossible job of trying to point someone to Jesus. I can't do that. You can't do that. You can't convince the people that are farthest away from God of their need for Him. You can't convince them. You can do your best to point them to Jesus, but it's the Holy Spirit who does the work. Similar to my friend John, if he's going to go from, from uh, New Brunswick to Nova Scotia, he's going to need somebody to aid him, to be a friend, to be a counselor, to be an advocate. And in the job that we've been given by Jesus to point people to Him, we have to realize the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting. He convinces people of, of their need for Christ. I used to carry that weight on my shoulders. I used to carry the weight on my shoulders of whether or not I could convince somebody else of, of their need for Jesus, of, of whether I was doing a good enough job of, of convincing people to turn their lives around. But then I encounter the words of Jesus, and, and it's so incredible what He doesn't say in this section. He's not telling them, like, here's all the right answers you give to people that are struggling. He says, the Holy Spirit will be with you. And you know what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to do the hard part of the job. He'll do the thing you can't possibly do. He'll convince people of their need for Jesus. You just live for me. You speak the truth. You love me. You live, you live transformed. The second job that the Holy Spirit does is our, Holy, our friend, the Holy Spirit, will lead his followers into all truth. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, Jesus, this is beautiful, okay? I, don't, I just want you to catch this. What Jesus is saying to his followers, he's saying, he's like, yes, I'm going to go to be with the Father. The Holy Spirit 
is going to guide my followers into all truth. So do, do you know some of the issues that were not solved when Jesus rose again and ascended? Do you know that the church wasn't even in agreement on the relationship that God had with Himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Do you know that caused massive division in the early church trying to figure out, is God triune? Is He Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Do you know what else wasn't solved? It was the, the divinity of Jesus. People in the early church didn't even have full agreement on who Jesus was. And in this section of Scripture, Jesus does not give all of the answers to His followers. He says, the Holy Spirit, who is your friend, will guide you into all truth. And this is how I believe this applies to us today. This takes so much pressure off of our shoulders. So I want to ask you these, these questions like, and I brought up the pandemic, like how are we supposed to respond in the midst of, of a pandemic? What if, you know, this, this conversation comes up all the time, what if life uh, was found on other planets? This is a big conversation in the world today, okay? What if, they, what if life was discovered on other planets? What about the drug epidemic in our culture? How do we respond? Okay, to make it personal, like how do you know whether or not to take the job that you're considering taking? How do you know how to walk alongside of somebody who's really battling in addictions? How do you know, you know, what to do with your money, where to invest it? How, how do you know what to do with some of the difficulties you're experiencing in your relationships? It's so significant that Jesus doesn't answer all of those questions. He does something better. He says, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. You know that one of the most significant decisions that had to be made in, in the whole New Testament um, was, was in Acts chapter 15, and you can go study what that was. Um, but the church was really struggling with the decision. They, they didn't know how to uh, make the decision in a way that was going to help them be successful in ministry moving forward. And I just want to read you in Acts chapter 15, verse 28. When they made their decision, this is what they said. Okay, so this is after the resurrection of Christ. The, the, the leadership had met and, and met together and tried to make this decision in a wise way. And this is what they said. They said, it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. And so when, when the church was wrestling with one of the biggest questions that they've ever faced, and it was causing all kinds of division, they went to Jesus. And, and Jesus, they couldn't go back to this conversation that Jesus has and, 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 and find specific answers. But do you know what they went back to? The Holy Spirit. And they sought God together. You know what's an encouraging study? to do someday is if you, if you study back over the last couple thousand years and you study all of the different issues and difficulties that the church has faced over the last couple thousand years, you will actually see the trace of the Holy Spirit's involvement leading His people in and through all of the difficulties and challenges. That's on a large scale. On a small scale, here's, here's what I want to encourage you with. The Holy Spirit is the relationship that is vital for you and I to be able to discern what God's will for our life is. Okay, so as a church, His Holy Spirit, He's here. He's present. He's with us now. But the Holy Spirit is a, is a friend. Jesus introduces Him as a friend who will lead you and guide you through some of the most challenging decisions you're ever going to have to make. Some of you have been through some, some situations that are absolutely difficult and overwhelming. And in the midst of those decisions, sometimes it's like, it's almost crushing when you try to figure out, like, what does God want me to do? But the reassurance, the reassurance that Jesus gives us here is that the Holy Spirit, your friend, is who you, you need to look to for guidance 
for wisdom. He will guide you into all truth. I want to close today with, uh, I put this up a couple weeks ago when we talked about the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's Rublev's, Andre Rublev's icon. And this is a picture. Um, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. You can see this at the Abbey. Um, but this actually is, is a representation of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, okay? And, and it's a famous drawing from 500 years ago. And, and, and what this, this uh, represents to us, okay, so what Rublev was trying to communicate was that we, you and I, are actually being invited into a relationship with God. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and you see there's, a, there's a, an empty space at the table, okay? And we are invited into that relationship. We are invited into this divine dance with God. Like, it is, I, I can't think of something that's more comforting than Jesus' words here to a group of people that were about to go and face some of the most difficult things human beings ever had to face. And instead of answering all those questions, he says, the Holy Spirit will be with you. He will, he's going to do the heavy lifting of convincing people of sin. He's going to do that job. You just live for me. You just live a transformed life. And then secondly, the Holy Spirit, he's, he's actually going to lead you into truth. So you don't need to be overwhelmed. You don't need to feel like all the pressure's on your shoulders to figure things out. You don't need to figure out all of the difficult challenges that are impossible to figure out because the Holy Spirit will lead you into truth. We, we are a lot like my friend John that has no eyes, that absolutely needs to rely on other people to get him from point A to point B. That's the way we rely on the Holy Spirit. Like, and, and if you haven't realized that yet, if you haven't been able to identify in your life, like, I'm a lot like this guy that's blind, that has no eyes, like, I need that leading. That's what Jesus is trying to say. He's like, I'm not leaving you alone. You're, you're not going to be stuck trying to figure this out. You actually are going to have a relationship with God, with the architect of the universe who's going to live with you and in you, and he's going to lead you into all truth. I'm going to invite Gene and, and Caleb to come back up. And... Uh, this, this message that Jesus is delivering, um, the reason it's comforting, I have this picture as I was getting ready to prepare this. It's almost like the, the, the thought of Jesus leaving to go to be with the Father and then giving the mission to His followers to go carry on His work. It's like this heavy burden. It's like, how could I possibly do that? It's like you're being asked to do something impossible. And I had this, this picture of carrying this like really heavy bag filled with bricks, right? But then Jesus says, but actually, I'm going to send somebody who's going to bear the weight of this. So all you have to do is, is yield to me, surrender to me, and I'm going to do the hard parts for you. I'll convince people of their need for me. So yes, you'll go and speak and you'll lead and you'll do all these things, but I'll convince people that they need me. I'll, I'll be working in their hearts. And then when things get confusing and difficult and overwhelming and you don't know how to answer certain questions and you don't know how to respond to what's going on in the world around you, I'll lead you into all truth. Do you rely on the Holy Spirit that way? Like, is that a comfort to you? Do you trust the words of Jesus and do you, do you chew on them and do you let them into your heart and mind and do you allow that to be a comfort to you? And so I'm going to just invite us to stand. I'm going to pray. And, and I know uh, some of us are in a season right now where we, we actually need answers from God to some difficult questions and some challenging situations. And so uh, I'm just going to pray um, that we would hear Him. And as we sing these last couple songs, I just want to invite you to, if you, if you feel to come up and just be at the altar and sing and kneel and pray, um, I'd love to invite you to do that. And, um, but I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit.
to speak. And if, if you um, haven't been listening, if you haven't been going to Him with some of these, these challenges, I just want to encourage you, as, even as we're praying, to open your heart to Him. And my prayer is going to be that we will hear Him in specific ways. Let's, let's pray. Lord, uh, I just, Jesus, I just want to thank You for Your words to us. That, Jesus, you, when, you were, when you were getting ready to go, when you were getting ready to leave your, your disciples, you weren't leaving them alone. You said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the helper. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will be with you. He will comfort you. And, Lord, I just pray for each person in this room today. Um, and I'm just thinking, Lord, I know you lead your church, big C church. You lead your church in what's going on in the world. But I just want to pray for people's personal lives here that some people are facing situations that are overwhelming to them and maybe haven't looked to you, maybe haven't put their trust in you, maybe haven't called out and asked you for guidance and wisdom and help. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak even to to people in this room, even now in these next moments and in the next days, that, Lord, you would lead in significant ways, that you would reveal uh, to people the decisions that need to be made and that and, and if it's not a decision someone's wrestling with, or maybe just a heaviness, maybe there's just this weight, this burden that some people in this room are carrying, just feeling like they're, they're just under the pressure of it. I pray, Lord, that um, there'd be a, a realization, a revelation that, Lord, you actually do the heavy lifting for us, and we can trust you, we can breathe easy, and we can be at peace because you do what you say you'll do. Help us to trust you today, we pray in Jesus' name.